us right up to uh, the Advent season. And uh, the scripture is out of Psalms, and it says it's 25, and we're going to pray this together. Uh, Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Let's go back to verse 4 there. There we go. Now it's like song. Now we know it. All right. Let's pray this. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Amen. You can be seated. And so we've been talking about this way, the Jesus way, uh, being an apprentice to Jesus, knowing Jesus, uh, not just cognitively knowing him in the gray matter up here, but knowing him in our hearts that drives us to action then. And so we're going to continue to explore this. And the overarching question in this, in this last portion of the series is, how do we practice truth in an age of self? All right? And so what is truth? We're digging into that. What is what is knowledge and what is it to have knowledge is what we talked about last week. And in John 14, 6, Jesus says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And then in John 17, 3, says this. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And I I know I said this last week, but I want to tell you a quote. I'm reading an amazing book by um, a guy named Dallas Willard, all right? If you guys are looking for a a quick read, um, do not pick up any of his books, all right? Uh, but But the quote from Knowing Christ Today, which I'll share too, but this first one says this, not having knowledge of the central truths of Christianity is certainly one reason for the great disparity between what Christians profess and how they behave, all right? And so what is it to possess knowledge? We talked about that uh, last week. Uh, To have knowledge of something is when we're representing it, um, that is thinking about it, speaking of it, treating it as, as, as if it actually is, and on an appropriate basis of thought and experience. So knowledge involves this, truth and accuracy of representation. We talked last week about believing. Well, isn't believing the same as knowing? What do we find out? No, it's not. I can believe stuff that is not true, right? I believe, like last week, I believe my lawnmower is full of gas, all right, so what do I do? I go and mow the lawn. And three strips down the lawn, I'm out of gas. All right, or I can believe that my lawnmower is empty. What do I do? I go to the gas station and I get gas. All right, belief pushes us towards an action. We said, well, what about commitment? Commitment is super important, right? That, that should be one of the things. Commitment. Well, what if I'm committed to something that I, it just means that I'm, I'm going, I've set a direction and I'm going in it. But what if I'm headed away from the things that's true? 
All right? We used the example last week. If we were all in the woods together, all right, and we're lost. I mean the deep woods, right? Not the woods like back here. Like deep woods, forest, and we said, we're just going to commit to this direction, all right? Well, what if the road was the other way? We still made a commitment. We're just going in a different way than we need to, all right? And we talked about professing, you know? I mean, think about that. And this isn't a rip on the 90s, but, man, we, wanted, we just wanted people to profess their faith. Say you believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. All right, you're good. Okay? And so profession, well... What can I, I can profess stuff that I am not committed to or believe in. Use the example last week in the historical context, the Crusades. Hey, confess Jesus or I'll kill you. Jesus. All right. I am not committed to it or believe in it, but I confessed it or I professed it. Right? And so do these things, do belief and commitment and profession have their roles? Yes. But the thing is they have to be seated in knowledge, in knowing that, is, that has truth and accuracy. And there is a unique body of knowledge in Christianity. C.S. Lewis says, you know, it doesn't need a special education to become a Christian because Christianity is an education in and of itself. And so when we talk about being a Christian, being a follower of Christ, I like to talk about it in this way, is being an apprentice to Jesus. Because an apprentice is somebody who follows the action of the one who they're learning from. And so there's, there's action involved. Again, we don't, we don't say, you know, you, you know, there's all these works that you have to do. All right? Here's what I found. Um, the deeper I'm in relationship with Jesus, I want to do them. I don't feel like I'm being, oh, I'm being forced, like I have to wake up and do this. It's something that I'm in a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to read you two 11-verse passages. Can you hang on with me this morning? Anybody? Already sleeping. All right. This comes out of the book of Philippians. This is Paul writing here, and I'm going to read you out of the uh, New Revised Standard Version. And it says this, Finally, my brothers and sisters. We got it? Okay, good. You got Philippians 1, 1 through 11 there? Does it? Okay. Skip to uh, verse 2 then. Wow. It's embarrassing. All right. All right. Let me see here. It says, yeah, take it off the script. All right. I'll write down that it might be Philippians 3. All right. I think I entered the wrong one. That, guys never do that. All right. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is not troublesome to me. And for you, it is a safeguard. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of those who mutilate the flesh. For it is we 
who are the circumcision, who worship the Spirit of God and boast in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Even though I, too, have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these have not come to regard. These I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. If someone I attain, if somehow I attain the resurrection from the dead. And here's what I want to say about this passage. Philippians 3. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I'm like, I'm reading that, and I'm like, bless the Lord. Did you pull up three? Did you change it? Were you able to? Try it on the message. If you can't get it, it's not the end of the world either. I like to keep things strictly professional around here. Okay. You know who entered in those scriptures too? Me. All right. Here we go. So, here we go. This is from uh, the message. All right. Starting in verse 1. If it appears up there, great. If not, great. And that's about it, friends. Be glad in God. I don't mind repeating what I've written in earlier letters, and I hope you don't mind hearing it again. Better safe than sorry. So, here goes. Steer clear of the barking dogs, those religious busybodies, all bark and no bite. All they're interested in is appearances, knife-happy circumcisers, I call them. The real believers are the ones the Spirit of God leads to work away at this ministry, filling the air with Christ's praise as we do. We couldn't carry this off by our own efforts. And we know it, even though we can list what might be thought of as impressive credentials. You know, my pedigree, a legitimate birth, circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devout adherent to God's law, a fiery defendant of purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the church, a malicious observer of everything Did I say my, I'm done? All right. If anybody would like to come preach, I would love for you to do that. 
malicious. A malicious, well, he was a malicious observer. All right, uh, all right, a meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law. Pause for a second. I'm glad that was up on the screen, and you guys could correct me. A malicious. Whew. All right, here we go. The very credentials of these people are waving around as something special. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master. Firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I'm in, I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all the inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. Philippians 3, 1 through 11. Now, I hope through all that confusion, there was some, something that we got there. I hope you understand what we're talking about. When, when, when Paul's speaking here, I hope you, you looked and you saw that he was a professor. He professed God's law to the T, meticulously <laughs> and maliciously as he persecuted the church. I, I got to be right. No, I'm just joking. All right. And, and so he has all this stuff, right? He's committed, except he's heading in the wrong direction. He's professing, but the things that he's believing in aren't true, right? Persecuting the church, he's saying, no, Jesus, you're, this isn't real. And so what does he do? He says, well, once I, once I knew Christ... I threw it all away. I counted it all as lost compared to knowing Jesus and the power of the resurrection. And so I wonder this morning if, if there's people sitting in the seats or if you're watching online where you're like, God, yeah, I, I knew of you. I might even know of you, Jesus. I've heard of you. I mean, if you work in construction and all, you've heard Jesus' name, all right? And so you know of Jesus, and maybe you, went to, maybe you went to church. Maybe you've gone to church for a long time. But here's what I'm convinced of. I went to church for 19 years before I knew Jesus. 19 years of playing a role of doing this thing. You know, I mean, I met him before when I was about 12 years old, all right, powerfully. And then I kind of forgot. 
And I acted as if he wasn't alive. And my, my life was reflective of that. And when I was about 19 years old, 18, 19 years old, I had, a, I had another in, encounter with Jesus. And, and this time I was like, you know what, Jesus, you are real. You're the Lord of my life. You're not just, you're not out here outside of, of, of the circle of things that are important. You're at the center of the things that are important. You are what's important because there is only, you are the only truth. You're the only life. You're the only way to the Father. And now have I lived perfectly from that point on? No, not even close. But I know that there's grace and mercy. I know this that I will count all things as rubbish as compared to knowing Jesus. And what do I know about this? I mean, Dallas Willard says this about knowledge, and here's what I want to be sure that you, you understand. I'm not just talking about knowing Jesus in your mind. I'm talking about knowing Him in your heart, knowing that there's an historic body of Christian work that is real, that Jesus isn't a fantasy. When we talk about Jesus, we're talking about a real living human being that came to earth born of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, was, ra was raised up, was, did the ministry of God, did what the Father told him to do, heard what the Father was saying, was crucified, was, was then resurrected three days later so that we can live and be free. Like Josh said, without Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, we don't have Christianity. And so knowledge where we're, we're going to then behave in a way that changes the way that we approach the world. Next week, we're going to talk about reality, <laughs> what reality is. And I believe this, some of us are living in a false reality, and I'm not talking sci-fi here, all right? I'm talking about the reality of Jesus Christ. Because here's what we can do. We can live a life that is just full of death, or we can live a life that is full of life. Willard says this, knowledge alone is never enough for human life. Did you guys see that when we were reading Philippians 3, 1 through 11? Paul was a scholar of scholars. He knew Willard says, knowledge is never enough for human life, of course. That is itself one important, uh, genuine fact of Christian knowledge. That knowledge is not enough for human life. And by itself, apart from adequate moral teaching, read the Gospels, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, called the Sermon on the Mount, and discipline, a word we don't like, so we change it to practices, all right? We practice these things, and these practices, of course, are based upon knowledge. If that's all we have, though, is just knowledge alone, what does it do? It puffs us up, right? Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. If you just have knowledge, you're just puffed up. Well, what does puffed up mean? Well, I got Jesus and you don't. So forget you, buddy. Right? 
It's very Jesus-like saying. All right? Said no one ever. And so here's what, here's what it is. Paul's got it all together. If anyone can boast, I can boast. I can boast, he says. You ever feel like that? I have Jesus. Therefore, I can boast. Have any of you, and you don't raise your hand just for embarrassment's sake. Have any of you uh, been like the good Pharisee who is looking over at the person that is acting crazy, beating his chest and repentant before God and said, at least I'm not as bad as him. Yeah. One hand went up. I will not tell you who it was. <laughs> but, but it's the truth, right? How many of you guys have been, been driving along? Oh, thank you, God, I'm not as bad as them. Right? And if you're laughing, you know you have. All right? I mean, man, like, how many times a day? God, thank you for, whew, you didn't make me like them. Well, what? That's kind of puffed up. I just want to encourage you guys this morning. Same verse that we've been encouraging, I've been encouraging people with for a long time is this. Like, Jesus didn't strive didn't grasp for, didn't uh, long for this power that he had. Matter of fact, he, he lays it down to become a servant. Our first act in being an apprentice of Christ is to die. Hold up one second. You're telling me my road to becoming more like Jesus is the first thing I have to do is die. That, that seems reverse. That seems upside down. You mean the power of the Holy Spirit is, is born in death? Jesus, crucified, buried in a tomb, raised by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we could all have life. How could it be that our Savior is put in a tomb to die and we don't have to do the same thing? I gave up all the inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience His resurrection power. How do we do that? By being a partner in His suffering and go all the way with Him to death itself if there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. Here's what I'm convinced of today. I don't want to just know about the resurrection. I don't want to just know about Jesus. I want to do the things that he's calling me to do. I want this church to do the things that he is calling this local body to do. Nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. And I believe this, it's going to change the way that we behave. It changes the way that we talk to one another. It changes the way that we look at one another. So that when we have those thoughts, God, thank you, you didn't make me, oh, never mind. Because I'm going to tell you, you're probably still going to think that sometimes. But what do we do with that? 
Well, in that moment, why don't we just say, God, you are so merciful and gracious. Look at me. (laughs) I'm so puffed up. But look where you have brought me. God, give me a new heart. Give me clean hands that I can know you, that I can experience you. And so I want to invite everyone this morning. I mean, I'm not, you're not physically going to do this, but the opportunity to count it all as rubbish. All the things that, you know, the, all the good things, man, the pedigree, the memorization of 900 scriptures, all this stuff. And say, you know what, I just want to know you. Should you know Scripture? Yes, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But I want to know you, Jesus, before anything. I want to know the power of the resurrection. And so I'm going to pray that, if you'd stand with me. Because here's what I know, that um, we can play games, play games for a long time. Um, And we can say, God, yeah, I mean, yeah, I want to know of you. But this morning I would would ask, God, I want to know you. I want to know the power of the resurrection that, that is born out of even death, death to self so that I can be more like you. And so let's pray. God, firstly, thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. That you are always with us. And that we truly are in the palm of your hand. And God, I pray that, that we would recognize that. And Father, I just want to come before you this morning and say sorry for playing games. Sorry for depending on my own knowledge, my own cleverness, my own way out of things, my own way through things. God, I pray that we would be radically dependent on you. God, that we could know the things that we believe, be committed to the things that we know and profess your name. God, could we be radically obedient to you? And I just want to say this to some people in the room is this, and really to everybody is this. God knows you. Okay, and here's what I don't want you to get a picture of again. I don't want to get a picture of you under a magnifying glass and God has a Thor hammer and he is ready just to pounce. 
Here's what, I, here's what I'm saying. He knows your heart and the things that you need to be radically obedient to and the things that you're being radically independent from God right now. He knows that, and I don't want that to come as like a judgment statement. I want it to come as an observation that the Father has mercy on you and loves you and sees you and doesn't want to leave you as you are, but wants to transform you from the inside out. And so some of you, you know, you have this great head knowledge of Jesus, but the relationship with him, it's lacking. And so, you know, what are we going to do with that? And so the things, that's what I want to just pray now is, Father God, radical obedience to you. Radical dependence on you. The things that we are holding on to, that we are trying to control, would we give to you so that we can be more like you? And here's what I want to do is this. If that's you, we're not going to make a big deal. Here's what we're going to do. There's going to be people up front, okay, that are, they're going to pray with you. Josh, can you come up? You guys come up. You guys come on. Here, this is what I'd love to encourage you with this. These are fellow, like, strugglers, <laughs> all right? We're, we're, we're on this journey together, but, but we want to pray with you about the things that are going on. And if that's resonating in you and you're saying, God, yeah, I, wanna, I want to not just walk after you. I want to run after you. I want to be radically dependent on you. We want to pray for you this morning. And I want to encourage all of us, as we leave these four walls, this church building, that there would be an understanding that, that when we leave, and right now, you are the church. Okay, you're not at church. Sorry to disappoint. You're at a gathering of believers, all right, or people that are maybe interested in Jesus, but followers and apprentices of Jesus that are going out, and as we go out, we are the church to our community. No pressure there, but you are Jesus to the people that you interact with. So do you understand in that statement alone, it's like, oh, that's highly pressured. It's not highly pressured if I'm radically dependent on God because Jesus' yoke is easy. And so just go out, be Jesus to the people around you. Who is this man? I'm just kidding. Come up here. Come up here. Are you coming up here? worship team, the song we sang, Pour It Out, did you notice there's a transition there? The first part is you're saying, God, pour it out. Pour it out. The second part of the song is, then I'm going to pour it out because you've poured it out in me. And Isn't that what Andy's just saying here? God, we're saying, pour it out on us. Pour it out on us. So that we can pour it out on you. And, and I think that, that song just fits perfect for what, what he's saying here. And let's, let's just do that. 
Let's ask him to pour it out so that we can pour it out. Okay? So let's, let's sing that and do it. Is that okay? Yeah. Well, it's, if I said no now, I'd be weird. No, yeah, of course it's okay. Yes, perfectly okay. Yeah, <laughs> can you imagine? Absolutely not. We'll see you guys next week, okay? Uh, yeah, let's do it. And then after this, I just want to say, if you, during this, there's going to be people up here still that will pray with you, all right? We believe this as we worship. We're inviting the presence of God. In that presence, God is going to move. If you have kiddos that you need to pick up, you can go grab those kiddos. Um, if you need to take off, uh, take off. But we really do want to spend a little bit of time uh, in worship and inviting the presence of God to transform our lives. So we're going to do that. from the top. Ooh, the depths of your mercy that saves a wretch like me and the waves of forgiveness your blood that covers me just receive that as God pours out his mercy his grace just receive what does that look like it means just to stand there and say God would you just come and have your way would you just come and move would you come and transform my life would you make me more like you Jesus maybe you're saying Jesus I don't really know you but this morning I want to know who you are so father we pray would you just pour it out, your grace, your mercy, your love this morning. Would you come and do the things that only you can do? Oh, 
say one more thing. I'm not trying to elongate this at all. I just want to say this. Because someone prayed it over me this week when we were at the Vineyard National Conference. And I just want to pray this over you guys. Is And the question that was asked was, do you want to see people come to Christ as, as, the, as the Spirit of God uses you? Right? Like you specifically, you would say, yeah, that's me. I, I, I want to see, I haven't seen somebody come to Christ in a long time maybe. And I want to see that. So I want to pray that over us this morning. And I think that would be appropriate maybe benediction as we go is, God, would you come and empower us to do the things that, and say the things that you're saying, do the things that you're doing. God, we know this. The end of us is really near. And, and so, God, help us to come to the end of us so that we can be used by you. That, that death that we talked about, God, I pray that it would be even now, that we would die to ourselves. And as we, as we leave this place, could we see people come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the life-transforming knowledge of Jesus Christ? God, not just a profession, not just a, yeah, I believe in Jesus. It's a, a, a life-transforming knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so I pray that over each one of us because I know if, if we're going to share you with people, we want to be in a relationship with you. And so I pray that over each one of us, God, that our relationship with you would be something that is significantly changing who we are, that is transforming us from the inside out, and that we can share the good news as we go out on the streets this week, as we go to work this week, as we go to school this week, that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ, that there is hope in a hopeless world. There's hope because of you. And so, God, I just thank you that you're restoring all things. You're making all things new. And, God, I just want to raise my hand and say, would you start with me? Would you start in this room? Would you start in the Capital C Church around, around Lakeland, God, that we could be more like you? Would you be with our brothers and sisters at Mount Sinai? Would you be with our brothers and sisters at Redeemer, the, the Bible Church down the road, God? St. John's Primitive Baptist, would you come?